If you have a Bible this morning, turn with me uh, to the book of Acts and let's go to chapter uh, 13. We want to pick up our study in verse 42 and bring it to the conclusion. We have been looking at this little series, the ministry of Saul, which is Paul the Apostle, and Barnabas, part three. The mission field is developing as we come to Acts chapter 13. The New Testament church has been on the move since the book of Acts in chapter 2, when the power of the Holy Spirit fell upon the 120 in the upper room. We know that Jesus told his disciples in the book of Acts in chapter 1, before his ascension back into heaven, after his post-resurrection of 40 days, Jesus said to them, wait in Jerusalem for 10 days, and the promise of the Father will come. He was speaking about the prophecy in Joel chapter 2. Of the comforter, the paracletos. Of the Holy Spirit would fall upon the 120 in the upper room. The Holy Spirit would fall upon them from on high. The Holy Spirit did exactly as was promised. The New Testament church began. Salvation came to the Jews first. And then we studied in Acts chapter 10, salvation fell upon the Gentiles and the power of the Holy Spirit also. They're at Cornelius' house in Caesarea. We come to Acts chapter 13, a wholly, a, whole, a wholly different perspective now. Another first significance in the early church, the church at Antioch, which roughly is from Jerusalem to Antioch, about 300 miles. So I want you to see that the church is on the move. Antioch becomes the base camp of operation for Paul's ministry. Jerusalem was still considered the mother church, but the missionary church would become Antioch. There on the Orontes River, about 16 miles from the Mediterranean Sea. One more significance we shared this last week. Peter will no longer be the central figure, but now it is the Saul of Tarsus which becomes Paul the Apostle, and we study that in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, that he's called the Apostle born out of due season. Now, this does not mean that uh, we are finished with Peter. We'll hear from him uh, later. But the mission field is being established. Go back real quick to Acts chapter 12, verse 25. Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem when they had fulfilled their ministry, and they also took with them John Mark, who's, or, or John, whose surname is Mark. Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem to Antioch. This is after King Herod uh, had passed away. Remember that the worms ate him from the inside out. Judgment came upon him. Paul has already been into the area of the Gentiles. He's gathered finances. And he goes back to Jerusalem because there was a prophecy. Famine was coming. And it was already showing. But here's the Gentile churches uh, that the Jerusalem church didn't want uh, to come into saving grace. Because they would not uh, do the law. And yet they gave of their finances. And so now Saul and Barnabas go back to Antioch, and they begin the ministry there. Uh, it's such a, a vital part because I want you to think about it this morning. We are a product of the missionary work. 
as it starts in Jerusalem, as it goes to Antioch, as it's going to go to Iconium. And eventually we know that the word of God will uh, go forth throughout the world. And we heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, I want you to see as we come to the conclusion, verses 42 uh, through 52. When the Holy Spirit is poured out, when the work of God is taking place, you have to understand, in the midst of revival, there's going to be trials and tribulation, hardship and pain. There's always going to be those that are going to come against you. And we're speaking about the enemy. And so the caption in my Bible here, in chapter 13 of the book of Acts, verses 42 to 52, blessings and conflict, at Antioch. I want to read it through and then I'm going to go back up and make commentary. In verse 42, so when the Jews went out of the synagogue, the Gentiles begged them that these words might be preached to them the next Sabbath. Now when the congregation had broken up, uh, many of the Jews and devout proselytes followed Paul and Barnabas, who speaking to them persuaded them to continue in the grace of God. How important that is. On the next Sabbath, almost the whole city came together to hear the word of God. This is what revival does to man. But when the Jews saw the multitude that were filled with, they were filled with envy and contradiction and blasphemy. They opposed the things spoken by Paul. This is the religious Jews. They couldn't handle it. And then Paul and Barnabas grew bold and said, it was necessary that the word of God should be spoken uh, to you first, speaking to the Jews. But since you rejected it and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, behold, we turn to the Gentiles. What a radical statement to the religious sect. And according to Romans chapter 11, the Gentiles are the grafted in branch. In verse 47, for so the Lord had, has commanded us. I have set you as a light to the Gentiles. He's speaking to the religious Jews. That you should be a for salvation to the ends of the earth. Paul ministered to the Jews there at the synagogue. Paul ministered to the Gentiles. From Genesis to Malachi. But then up to the present point in the book of Acts. And look what's taking place now. Revival. In verse 48, Now when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and glorified the word of the Lord. And as many as have been appointed to eternal life. And the word of the Lord was being spread throughout all the region. But the Jews stirred up the devout and prominent women of the chief men of the city, raised up persecution against Paul and Barnabas, and expelled them from their region. And I like what uh, Paul and Barnabas do, exactly what Jesus told them to do. But they shook off the dust from their feet against them. And they came to Iconium. You don't want to hear the word of God? They shook the dust right off of their feet. And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Again, the Word of God is being poured out so beautifully. Lives are being transformed. Lives are being changed. And there's going to be those that are going to come against you. It's the same that happened to you. It happened to me 30 plus years ago. My family came against me. My friends came against me. 
Your co-workers will come against you. Your bosses will come against you. Because all of a sudden, uh, there's a transformation. Uh, there's a change. I had a reputation at work. People knew of me. They knew that I sold them drugs. They knew that I set up all the sports paraphernalia to bet on the games and such. They knew that I would take the fishing trips and take all the guys in, and we would have a drinking party. They knew these things. And so when they heard that I had come to the born-again experience, there were those that came against me. And there were those that congratulated me. And there were those that said, I want to hear what happened to you. The same happens to you. And we're never to be discouraged. I, I can honestly tell you, if you're being attacked, if people are coming against you, then God is doing a work in your heart. The devil does not like you. And he's going to use family, friends, and loved ones to come against you. This is what happens at Antioch. And so let's get into verse 42 and begin to break it down. Uh, again, I had the... The ushers give out a map. It gives you an idea. Remember, uh, from Jerusalem uh, to Antioch, it's about 300 miles. And, and then they're going to go up to Iconium. And that eventually is going to be about 70 miles or so. But you can see the map and you see the, the drawing, how it works, and how the gospel. This is the first missionary journey. And so we begin in verse 42. So when the Jews went out of the synagogue, the Gentiles, I like this, they begged them that these words might be preached to them uh, the next Sabbath day. Paul had fully preached Jesus Christ there at the synagogue at Antioch. Uh, the Jews, the Gentiles, responded to Paul's message. Paul had taken them from Genesis up to the book of Acts here because uh, the, the New Testament is being established. But what was Paul sharing? Uh, Jesus Christ, that he is the Messiah. How do we know that it was successful in the eyes of man, the word success? Because they begged them to return. Please come back. We want to hear the word of God. Uh, once the word of God hits you, you want to hear the word of God. The word of God will, will transform you. First of all, the word of God challenges you. And then it will transform your life. If you allow God to work in and through you. Now, it's interesting. Jews and Gentiles responded, yes, we want to hear it some more. But then the religious sect comes into the picture. And it's just astonishing to, to the mind. Wait a minute, you're the religious sect. Aren't you supposed to know better? And yet they come against Paul. They come against Barnabas. In verse 43, he says, Now when the congregation had broken up, uh, many of the Jews, and then notice that it says, and devout proselytes. Uh, the word devout were uh, basically pious, uh, religious ones, holy ones, separated ones. They followed Saul, or Paul and Barnabas, who speaking to them, persuaded them to continue uh, in the grace of God. I love what Paul does there. The word of God had touched them. Now continue in the grace of God. Unmerited favor, we deserve judgment, but God gives us his grace. Well, continue in that grace. Here in verse 43, obviously, some had already come to saving grace. Notice that Paul and Barnabas encouraged them. Continue in the grace of God. Proselytes. Followed the teachings of Paul and Barnabas. A proselyte uh, were Greeks 
who had come to Judaism, but now are coming to Jesus Christ, which is the Messiah. A proselyte, basically in the Greek, is a stranger or a newcomer or a convert. Listen to this. From one religious belief system or party to another system, and in this case, they were coming to the born-again experience. We are all proselytes when you begin to think of it. Fill in the blank this morning. I was a former Catholic. And so I come from Catholicism into Christianity. Or I come from Catholicism into the born-again experience. How many people that were into Judaism have now come into the born-again experience? What about Presbyterians, Methodists, Lutherans, Baptists? What about people that go to Calvary Chapel? Those that are denominational, those that are not denomination. We need to come to saving grace. Just because you go to church doesn't make you a Christian. And so you must come to the born again experience. According to John chapter 3 verse 3, John chapter 3 verse 7, Jesus said you must be born again. I struggled with those words many years ago, as I've told you many times. And you struggled with that. Because we call ourselves Christian. But are you born again of the Holy Spirit? This causes conflict. Notice as we continue in verse 44. On the next Sabbath day, almost the whole city came out to hear the word of God. Word travels fast, doesn't it? Especially when one witnesses a changed life. Notice almost the whole city of Antioch. Change is always good, or is it? When it comes to Christ, change is good. Because the religious sect did not like it. They did not like this change. They were frustrated with it. You should all know the verse. In 2 Corinthians 5.17, Paul says, Therefore, if any man, any woman is in Christ Jesus, he or she is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. All is possible through the born-again experience. Change, metamorphosis, transformation. And I want you to listen to the list Maybe you don't fit this particular list, but a majority of us do, I believe. If we truly admit it, we need to come to change. We come to the born-again experience, a drug addict, no more. An alcoholic, no more. A fornicator, no more. An adulterer, no more. A murderer, no more. Homosexual, a lesbian, no more. All sexual sin, no more. A thief, no more. A liar, no more. A talebearer, no more. A gossiper, no more. There has to be change. When I came to Saving Grace, I saw the lives of people that I knew personally, and God had transformed them. True repentance is a change of mind, a change of heart, and a change of direction. So you were formerly doing this sin, there has to be an about face. There has to be a change. There has to be a transformation. God takes it away. I, I am so into the 12-step program, and, and I encourage anybody that's struggling through alcohol, through drugs, you know, get into a good 12-step program. That's what Adrian's teaching, basically, but the Christian form of a 12-step program. But not everybody's going to go to a 12-step program. 
You come to Christ, some of these guys, some of these girls, they need to be in the house of Esther. They need to be in the house of Jeremiah. They need to go to Teen Challenge. But praise God, those of us that receive Christ, and you know, the, we don't get into a program, but we get into the Word of God. And don't let us think that we're any better than anybody else. We all need help. And we all need transformation. But this affected many for the good. But it affected others for the evil. Envy set in. The religious sect did not like it at all. Look at verse 46. And, and then Paul and Barnabas. Well, verse 45. I want to continue here. But when the Jews saw the multitudes, they were filled with envy. These are the religious Jews. They were filled with envy, contradicting and blaspheming, and they opposed the things spoken by Paul. Paul was speaking the truth. Paul was speaking the word of God. Back in verse 43, uh, listen, regular Jews and, and, and devout or pious proselyte Gentiles now converting to the born-again experience followed the teachings of Paul and Barnabas. Gladly they came to saving grace. But look at the contrast now. The religious ones became envious. They contradicted or they opposed what was taught. They blasphemed. The word blasphemed. Or they cursed at the references made of Jesus. Most likely his Messiahship. That Jesus is God. They probably called Paul uh, and Barnabas heretics. Yet weren't they waiting for the Messiah? And even the Jews today are still waiting for Messiah. Notice, the non-religious ones gladly receive the truth. The religious ones are the ones that are fighting it. I put this down in my notes. Many times it's not what you know, but what you don't know. Come by faith. Come by faith. Faith. Opens the doors. You know, I'm struggling with this. I'm struggling with that. And I heard this statement. I'm going to give Jesus a chance. Great. And I've seen transformed lives. You've seen transformed lives. And I've seen those that have gone back into the world. It doesn't always work. But it's there. It's available. I mean, we've tried everything else. It's time to take Jesus. It's time to run with the cross. And I believe uh, that a revival needs to happen to our country today. Look at verse 46 now. Uh, then Paul and Barnabas grew bold and they said, It was necessary that the word of God should be spoken to you first, speaking of the Jews. But since you rejected it and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, behold, we turn over to the Gentiles. Is there a time where the boldness of the Holy Spirit comes upon you or can you call upon the Holy Spirit to give you boldness to speak, to testify, to share at a given time, place, and circumstance at hand? And the answer is yes. Here is Paul and Barnabas. They grew bold. Listen, uh, the word means, in the King James, it means to wax bold, uh, to be frank, to be upfront. In, in utterance, in honesty, to be confident or, or assurance in the Spirit. I want you to listen to the Amplified 
translation, I often go uh, to another text just to get uh, more meat out of it. Uh, the Amplified, out of verse 46, says, Paul and Barnabas spoke out plainly and boldly and saying it was necessary that God's message concerning salvation uh, through Christ should be spoken to you first, speaking of the Jews, but since you thrust it from you, you pass this judgment on yourself, that you are unworthy of eternal life, and out of your own mouth you will be judged. Radical. Now, behold, we turn uh, to the Gentiles. The Gentiles were called the heathens. The Gentiles were called the dogs. And yet, if the Jews rejected it, God was going to take it over to the Gentiles. Is God finished with the Jewish people? The answer is no. He's not. There are those that teach replacement theology. God is finished with the nation of Israel. God is finished with the Jews that rejected, and now it's being poured out uh, to the Gentiles. Be careful with that logic. On your own, I want you to study Romans chapters 9, 10, and 11. God is not finished with the nation of Israel. What is Jacob's trouble in Jeremiah 30, verse 7? What is the seven years of tribulation uh, spoken of in the book of Daniel? Taught uh, in the book of Revelation. It's to woo back the nation of Israel unto the Lord. God is not finished with the nation of Israel. And there are those out there that teach he's through with them. Now, according to Romans 11, again, we become the grafted in branch. We're blessed. But God's not finished with the nation of Israel. Look at verse 47. And for so the Lord has commanded us. And I want you to hear the quote here. It's taken out of Isaiah chapter 49, verse 6. It's a prophecy. I have set you as a light to the Gentiles, that you should be uh, for salvation to the ends of the earth. Israel uh, rejecting uh, the gospel is now the Gentile salvation. Israel rejecting the gospel is now the Gentile salvation uh, in a whole. And again, yet God is not finished with, uh, with the nation of Israel. And we see so many born-again Jews today. You see them in Israel. And it's so beautiful that they're allowed to have their Messianic fellowship. Uh, many of them are not leaving their, their roots of the law. And that's okay. But they're coming to saving grace. But God is not finished with the nation of Israel. Israel failed. The Gentiles become the grafted in brand. The Jews will come to salvation at the end. But it's not without judgment. So much, according to the book of Revelation. Uh, look at verse 48 now. Now, when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad, and they glorified the word of the Lord. And as many as had been appointed uh, to eternal life, they believed. I like that. Verse 45 gave us the religious Jews contradicting and, and blaspheming. God... Uh, thinking that they're religiously correct. And so many people are like that, even here today, in our own country. But here in verse 48, Gentiles in Antioch, rejoicing and glorifying God's word. And notice, those appointed, those called, those ordained, those predestined to eternal life, they believe. 
Now, there, there's a very difficult teaching out there that you're predestined, that you're called, and so you're going to come to saving grace. Uh, I have a struggle with that. I believe that we're all called. I believe that we're all called to salvation, but we have a free will to choose. Uh, be careful because you'll say, well, this group is predestined to heaven, but this group, and excuse me, is predestined to hell. That can't be so. You see, God places in us a free will. And we can choose to receive or choose to reject. I want you to turn to the passage. You've heard it many, many times. Go to John chapter 3, verses 15 through 17. I believe and I teach the universal call. And it's proven text right here in the scriptures. Don't tell me that this group is called and this group is not called. You can't do that. And trust me, I have seen people, and in my own thinking, I go, they will never come to saving grace. They, they just, they're the, they are sin. They're not even the product. They are sin. And then the Spirit of God touches them. Nicky Cruz, he was destined to go to hell. Pastor Raul Reese was destined to go to hell. Look at the changed lives through the power of God's Spirit. The universal call we find in John chapter 3, look at verse 15. That whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Oh, I like that. Now, the Word of God was presented to me. The Word of God was presented to you. I have a choice. I can receive the Word of God or I can reject the Word of God. And I've seen people reject it. Uh, that's not for me. No. And this is what some of the Jews, we're not going to go that way. We're going to stay where we're at. Very dangerous. Very dangerous. People have a hard time. Free will gives us the opportunity to choose. The call is there for all mankind. But we must choose or we must reject. And by not choosing, you're rejecting. Think about that now. And let's go back to our text now. Look at verse 49. And the word of the Lord was being spread throughout all the region. The word of the Lord was being spread Throughout all the region. Jerusalem to Antioch, again, 300 miles. Paul and Barnabas on the first missionary journey. You cannot stop the word of God. It moves. Even through trial, tribulation, hardship, and pain. The proof text is right now what's going on in the Middle East. Salvation is coming uh, to so many Muslims that are in refugee camps. How, how are they coming to saving grace? Uh, the church is praying for them. Visions and dreams are coming into their midst. Because of the internet, they have access to, to teachings. Some know English, some don't, and then there's Arabic teaching out there. There's a beautiful guy named Sami Samadra. Uh, I, I think I have the last name wrong, but he's out of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa. He's Egyptian, and he has a heart for the Muslim. And people are coming to saving grace. 
Now I have to ask the question because I've done it. Uh, we have Muslims here in our community. We see them because of the university. Generally, you'll see the head cover on the, on the woman. And, and do we try to avoid them at the store? Do we try to go around them? Do we greet them? They might not respond. Or how about as you're walking by, pray for them. Lord, I pray for their salvation. They don't know you, Lord. Lord, open the door. If they shop at this same time, every time I come, open the door eventually for me to share with them. Are you ready to invite one of them into your home? Come and break bread? I'll bet you they would say yes. But we look at the, the culture and we kind of cringe. You see, they don't know any better, just like we didn't know any better. And so the Word of God was being poured out. And there were those that were receiving it, those that were not receiving it. The Word of the Lord was being spread uh, throughout all the region. I, I want you to listen to this passage. I want you to write it down. Romans chapter 8, verses 31 through 39. What can separate us from God's love? And I'm just going to share two verses. Verse 35 and 36. Who or what shall ever separate us from Christ's love? It shall suffering, affliction, tribulation, calamity, distress, persecution, hunger, destitution, or poverty, perils or perils or, or dangers or sword. Uh, look at the beheadings that are going on today. Verse 36, even as it is written, for thy sake we are put to death all the day long. We are regarded and counted as sheep for the slaughter. The quote is out of Psalm 44, verse 22. This is exactly what's going on in the Middle East today. What is going to separate us from the love of Christ? Uh, some of you here this morning, when you've come to saving grace, I can venture to say, trials followed your salvation. All of a sudden, things are not going good for you. Sometimes Christians lose their jobs. Sometimes Christians lose their vehicles or lose their homes. Sometimes there's death in a Christian home. Sometimes, and you can fill in the blank. I remember one of my pastor friends uh, back in Southern California, Bernie, we, his name was Bernard, and uh, I got to know him very well. Uh, we were in, in shepherd school together. And Barney, or Bernie, eventually uh, moved on to uh, start a, another ministry somewhere else through Calvary Chapel. Uh, but his daughter, he was always asking for prayer for his daughter. She gave her life to Jesus when she was a youngster. And then she backslid. And then she started coming back to the Lord. She met this young man, good man. They got married, got hooked up into church, uh, church back in Florida. And everything was going great. Bernie was just exalting the Lord, thank you. His wife, they get the dreaded phone call. A Sunday night service. The husband stayed to take care of some things at the chapel for the pastor. And his wife said, I'm going to go home and start dinner. He goes, great. She walked in in a burglary in her own home. She was killed, murdered. 
For what? Some articles from the house? Some jewelry? This is a little apartment. But because she startled the, the thief, he decides to kill her. I, I tell you what, it hurt Bernie, hurt his wife. And Christians were saying, why? God is sovereign. Just recently in the news, pastor back east, his wife was killed. Same, same type of situation. Lord, why do you allow these things? Trials, tribulation, hardship, and pain. And that's what it said in Romans. Through all of this, what's going to separate us from the love of God? In fact, what generally happens is you get stronger. It's tough. It's not a... It's not an easy place, but it's tough. What can separate us from God's love? Look at verse 50. But the Jews stirred up the devout and prominent women, and the chief men of the city raised up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them from their region. The religious Jews now stood up or urged them on of the influential religious women and leaders of the city that they incited a mob against Paul and Barnabas, a, a riot condition. They ran them out of town, the religious Jews causing this riot. Note, when there is revival, a work of God, a work of the Holy Spirit as is being poured out, uh, people are, are having changed lives the devil will show up. No doubt about it. The devil will show up. He will try desperately uh, to destroy. That's why we get into the Word of God. That's why we come to fellowship. That's why we come to prayer. And that's why we want to hear the Word of God. Because that's our defense as we studied. Know your enemy. Notice verse 51, 52 coming to the conclusion. Uh, but they shook off uh, the dust from their feet against them, and they came now to Iconium. And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Well, the trials are going to be there. The hardship, the pain is going to be there. Rejection is going to be there. Gonna, they might even curse at you. But listen to what it says here. They shook off the dust from their feet against them, and they went to Iconium. <laughs> they shook off the dust from their feet. It was a sign of rejection. Uh, they went to the town of Iconium, about 70 miles uh, away. You see it in your map. It's the next city that we're going to see. In Jewish culture, was to kick off the dust of this Gentile city. Uh, I want you to turn to this passage in Mark chapter 6, verse 11. Jesus is preparing uh, to send the 12 out. And he knows they're going to be rejected. It's the same with us. You come to Saving Grace, and you're going to go back to your homes. You're going to go back to your family. You're going to go back to your workplaces. And trust me, you're going to be rejected. Not everybody's going to be happy for you. And so listen to, this is where uh, Luke is writing, and he brings it into the book of Acts, and I like that. But listen to the words of Jesus. In verse 11, 
Mark chapter 6, verse 11. Whosoever will not receive you nor hear you when you depart from there, shake off the dust under your feet as a testimony against him. Assuredly, I say to you, listen to the radical statement, it will be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah and the day of judgment for, than for that city. Radical. Than for that city. And yet, Sodom and Gomorrah was judged. But listen to what the Lord is saying. And so, uh, there's times when, you know, I share with somebody. People will come to the church and I'll give the message. And, you know, I hear, uh, is your friend coming back? What do you think? Uh, he, he said, uh, no, that's enough. You're not going to win them all. Please don't take it personal. I've done that. The Word of God affects people so differently. Now, once the Word of God gets in you and the Spirit of the Lord is, is probing your heart, there's conviction. And you want to hear the Word of God. What concluded there at Antioch? And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Being filled with joy and being filled with the Holy Spirit, they go together. They have a joy that contradicts their circumstances. Paul is a great example of his own command to be constantly filled with the Holy Spirit. Study Ephesians chapter 5, especially verse 18. I want you to listen to this commentary by Clark out of verse 52. The happiness of a genuine Christian lies far beyond the reach of earthly disturbances. The true believer is not affected by the changes and the chances to which mortal things are exposed. And then he finishes, the martyrs were more happy in the flames than their persecutors could be on their beds of down. He's saying about those that would go to hell. Those who would go to hell. The trials, the tribulation. What's going on right now in the Middle East? These people, some of them know, I'm receiving Christ today. I could very well die tomorrow. And it's happening all over. Beheadings, being put to death in flames. And I tell you, church, it's, it's reality. It is happening right before our very eyes. And nobody's doing anything other than prayer, other than uh, missionaries are there, going to the refugee camps and such. They need Christ. They need Christ. We know that uh, Muhammad is not the answer. We know that Jesus is the answer. And they know about Christ. And so the visions, the dreams. You, next time you see a Muslim, Lord, give them a vision. Lord, give them a dream that they might see. Pastor shared uh, at our pastor's conference in the East Coast. We, we got to go last year. Uh, Tom Doyle was sharing that he was in the marketplace and he was in the Middle East and this obviously Muslim woman saw him. She had on her garb and everything and she went up to him. I know you. And he's like, he's got to get away because he can get into a lot of trouble. The lady followed him. I know you. You're here to share Christ with me. How do you know me? I had a dream. Listen to this. I had a dream 40 years ago. 
you're that man in the dream. Messiah said he was going to send you. Forty years ago, Tom Doyle was about ten years old. That's the power of God. He got to share with her and lead her to Christ. The joy of the Lord. Because the Holy Spirit is leading you and guiding you, directing you. The missionary work is just starting. And what I love about the book of Acts, when we come to the missionary work, we're a product of that missionary work. God is not finished yet. We need to pray. Please stand. We're going to end a word of prayer. We're going to break bread this morning. And so I'll give you the instructions as, as we 